Hey everyone, this is Ryan Panagos, a.k.a. Marvel's Agent M, and one of the co-hosts of This Week in Marvel podcast. You're listening to the Cruise Control Podcast with Randy Cruz. Welcome to another edition of the Cruise Control Podcast here on iTunes and SoundCloud.com. I am now joined by Graham Matthews, who is a featured columnist for Bleacher Report covering the WWE. He's also a contributor to What Culture and also a contributor to HiddenRemote.com. Graham, what's up, my man? How you doing? Doing great, Randy. How about you? Doing good, man. It's St. Patrick's Day. It's one day removed from 316 Day. It is uh, March Madness time. We're a couple of weeks away from WrestleMania 32. It's it's a great time to be alive, Graham. (laughs) Absolutely agree, Randy. It's the perfect storm. Like you said, WrestleMania and 17 more days. March Madness time. NXT TakeOver in just two weeks from tomorrow. The Hall of Fame induction, the post-WrestleMania Raw, like you said, great time to be a wrestling fan, basketball fan, just a great time to be alive in general. It is a great time to be a wrestling fan because of, of the, the tradition of WrestleMania, but I, I'm, I'm still not sure if people are that excited or that, you know, have high anticipation values when it comes to this coming WrestleMania because obviously the card is, I, I don't think the card is official complete just yet it's getting there but hopefully you know somehow some way they get the people you know off their seats just getting ready for for wrestlemania in dallas um because the card is looking a little shaky a little iffy right now but like every year they always plan to you know surprise people and um like they did at, at WrestleMania 30 and 31, which were, were fantastic. So hopefully 32 can live up to the hype. I hope so. Like you said, after this past week, I would say the card is about 75% full. But I think from what we've gotten announced so far, it's looking pretty strong, in my opinion. I know it's nothing compared to NXT TakeOver Dallas, which has a slew of amazing matches on tap. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> but WrestleMania 32 has a lot of great matches. And I think exactly like you said, WrestleMania 30 and 31, even I, was not too much looking forward to it. We've talked during WrestleMania 30 and 31 season. I was here on the show for the past two years, making it the third this year. And, I mean, I was excited for those events, but I wasn't too sure how well they would fare, where they would stand, if they could stand the test of time. And I could safely say a year or two years later, both shows, as you said, were fantastic. I think 32 will be no exception, in my personal opinion. Well, me and you are going to get to WrestleMania 32 and the card as it stands today uh, in a few. But um, a couple of things going on right now. Um, today, you know, like I mentioned, it is St. Patrick's Day, but it, it is March the 17th, uh, 2016. And um, it is also the 14-year anniversary of WrestleMania 18. Uh, I'm pretty sure you are uh, aware of that. Um I don't remember the card offhand, but obviously the big match from WrestleMania 18 in Toronto was the Icon versus Icon match, The Rock and Hulk Hogan, or Hollywood Hulk Hogan at the time. And um, it's still a match that we talk about 14 years later, and I think we're still going to be talking about it even more so down the road. 14-year um, anniversary of that match, a match that I, I think many fans did not think would happen because of the whole Monday Night War and not sure if Hogan was going to come back. And obviously he did, and boom, he gets a, a match with The Rock. Um, you, you know, you've been covering wrestling for, for quite a while. Just just want to get your thoughts on the impact of that match then and now and the significance of having Hulk Hogan and The Rock face off at WrestleMania 18. Love watching that back and that match back. Like I said, those two WrestleManias, 31 and 30, respectively, have both stood the test of time. That match has as well. Although I was not a wrestling fan at that time, going back and watching the WWE Network is just an amazing experience every single year to get you hyped for WrestleMania. And it's crazy. I mean, at that time, people knew these are the two biggest names in the business, both Hogan, obviously, and The Rock are two established names in wrestling. We're wrestling, you know, pretty much. But you think back on it now, even 14 years later, the two names that people think of when you say professional wrestling are Hulk Hogan 
and The Rock. I mean, people, it wasn't so much back then as it is now. It's just crazy to think about. I mean, along with John Cena, but the first two people that a casual fan or just someone that knows nothing about wrestling will think of are Dwayne The Rock Johnson and Hollywood Hulk Hogan. And swearing off on that show, and the match itself is not a masterpiece in the ring, but just the electricity from the Canadian crowd, the storytelling, and the return of Hulkamania to form, which was not the original plan. Just everything about the match is just magical, and I love it. Yeah, man, I, I I haven't seen the match in a while. I I, I have seen it more than more than five times, and it, it, you know him, Hogan going back to Toronto that year, and obviously you know he had those WrestleMania demons, you know, losing in Toronto back at WrestleMania six to the Warrior, and he comes back to to the company that you know he helped start, and I think just the overall reaction that he got that night, which. You know, it kind of surprised him. It kind of surprised a lot of people that they were really cheering for Hulk Hogan to, to win this match. And obviously, The Rock was a fan favorite. He was a good guy going in. But, you know, at, at, at a WrestleMania, you just never know who the crowd is going to cheer for. And, and, and that's just the beauty of the event where, you know, a bad guy can go in there and get and get cheered and a good guy going in can get booed, you know, a la Bret and Stone Cold back at WrestleMania 13. So I think that's just the beauty of the whole entire event. It was To me, it was a great match, a big iconic match that people still talk about today. And I think just the overall impact that it still has today still resonates with the fans of today. Absolutely. Even a decade and a half later. I mean, we're talking about it right now. If it wasn't that iconic of a contest, we wouldn't even be talking about it right now. So that really, like I said, stands the test of time. It's a great match. And um, I think Archie and I, just a couple of weeks ago, we were watching my WrestleMania radio co-host. We were watching the build-up. Not only the match itself, but the night that the match was made official for WrestleMania. I think it was the February 18th episode of Raw from 2002. And when Rock says, how about you headline one more WrestleMania with The Rock? And the place goes crazy. Mm. And um, like you said, WrestleMania 18 itself, it was a good show. But what people remember most about that mania, even in a decade and a half later, is The Rock versus Hulk Hogan. It's just electrifying. If any match can ever really be described as such, that is the personification of that word right there. Electrifying is The Rock and Hulk Hogan. They can't wait to watch it back again at some point in the next couple of weeks before maybe even on, maybe even today, because considering, like you said, it's the 14-year anniversary. Yeah, I think if the company knew that that they were going to get their reaction, then that match would have been the main event. But you know, it, it you know it is what it is. I think Jericho and Triple H went on last for the for the world title, and you know it was a good match. But I think the crowd just got really you know, out of it after that Hulk Hogan and The Rock match. So for those who have not seen it, it is WrestleMania 18, The Rock and Hollywood Hogan. Go check it out. Um, today, earlier, um, the report that came down that, that Sting is, is planning on retiring. Um, that's what, that is what been, has been floating around. Um, are you shocked or surprised of Sting initially going to announce his retirement? No, just because, especially, I mean, I was thinking about this even at the start of the year, even when it first happened, the injury first happened five, six months ago, I think by this point, back in that of Champions in September. Right. Um, but especially after Daniel Bryan's retirement announcement last month, you know, that they wouldn't allow him to wrestle again because of concussions. No way they would clear a guy that's 56, 57 years old and had a severe neck injury, which is significantly worse than what Daniel Bryan had, so... I wasn't shocked that he had to announce his retirement today. It's still, you know, nonetheless disappointing because he's one of the greatest of all time. People are definitely going to not complain, but then rightfully so, for the fact he never won a match in WWE. But he did go out in the main event of a pay-per-view that had, you know, ties to the original Clash of the Champions, not the exact same lineage, but that of Champions, Clash of Champions, almost WWE's equivalent to that pay-per-view from the old WCW days. For the WWE World Heavyweight Championship, his first and only shot for the bell in a very good match against one of the best in the business today, Seth Rollins. Not a bad way to go out. And I would imagine, I think the current rumor right now on the Internet is that he's going to announce the retirement officially at the Hall of Fame in two weeks. So uh, it's going to be interesting. But, no, I'm not too shocked. It sucks, but it's not all that surprising considering the circumstances. Now, was him getting the Hall of Fame nod, um, do you think that was the first initial indicator that, you know, Sting was going to soon plan on on retiring. Yeah, a little bit. I mean, there was a lot of speculation at the time, like, is he going to the Hall of Fame because he's done with wrestling? I think he even kind of knew then 
that he would be done. Because when they conducted that interview with him, I think it was WWE.com, right after he suffered the injury, he never said for a fact that he was coming back. I mean, they never really do because they never know 100%. But it sounded like from what he said that he wasn't coming back to wrestling. I didn't really think so, which is unfortunate. But um, I think when he went into the Hall of Fame, the announcement was made, I think in the first week or two of 2016, that it was made pretty obvious that he wasn't wrestling again. And, I mean, that's technically what WWE tends to do. I mean, look at The Rock. I mean, I don't think he's, his wrestling days are done yet. I mean, he <clears throat> wrestled his last match three years ago, and I think he's going to wrestle again, hence why he's not yet in the Hall of Fame. He's definitely worthy. I mean, that goes without saying. But I think they tend to induct people when they know for a fact that they're done wrestling. Look no further than Mick Foley in 2013. Stone Cold Steve Austin wrestled his final match in 2003, and then it took him six years. I mean, granted, it was in Houston or Dallas or whatever, WrestleMania 25, but... I think they tend to induct people that they know for a fact are just kind of done wrestling, period. And I think that's kind of the category that Sting fell into. So I think they kind of knew, maybe not 100%, but I think they had the idea that he would be done wrestling when they made the announcement a couple of months ago. Now, you mentioned earlier his, his WWE record, which is, you know, <laughs> below below 500. Uh, he, he lost to Triple H at WrestleMania 31. He lost to Seth Rollins at Night of Champions. I think he had one little Monday Night Raw match with the Big Show. I think a DQ or something like that. So, basically, Sting never won a match uh, while being in the WWE. I, I do want to get your thoughts on this. I'm not sure if we disagree or agree, but... What's your overall take on how the company used Sting, the character, from day one? And and I know for those who haven't seen the DVD, I know he, you know, I'm, I'm paraphrasing here about, you know, he he was just happy to be here, and you know, whatever direction they were gonna put him in, he was fine with it. Um, him facing Triple H at, at WrestleMania 31, win or lose, he was just happy for the opportunity. But you know, I guess some people lean more towards well. You know, Triple H should have let him go over at, at, at WrestleMania. And if if not, like, what was the big purpose of bringing a, a big icon like Sting in and not have him win one match in, I, I guess, you know, less than a full year than, you know, that, that he was here? So, overall, what's your take on the use of Sting the character by the company? And do, do you feel like maybe he got... I know he was, you know, 55 years old, but do you feel like he got shortchanged about, you know, not winning one match while he was here? Yeah, one big match. Like you said, he won the match via DQ against Big Show and won that same night. I think I won that tag match with Cena against Rollins and uh, Big Show. But, I mean, it's a raw match. It's not a pay-per-view. He lost to WrestleMania the Night of Champions. I could see it from both viewpoints. And I both, I kind of agree with both viewpoints too. I mean, I could see people, I could see what people are saying when they say, "Oh, they ruined his legacy." I don't technically agree with that, but they, they didn't use him right. I absolutely agree that, um, especially towards the end. I wrote a whole article about this a couple of months ago, like ten ways the WWE did not utilize things properly. But um, I did watch the DVD. He said it in the DVD itself, not in word for word, but you can kind of read between the lines. He said that he wanted to leave. He wanted to lose rather at WrestleMania. 31 last year against Triple H because he thought it would be his last match. He thought it would be his first and only match for WWE. And as an old-school wrestler, he wanted to do the honors on the way out. Now, he never imagined coming back and doing the whole title match, which is weird because at that time when he came in, I figured he would be around for a couple of matches, and he technically was. Um, but I think everyone was under the assumption that he would be around for longer than WrestleMania. In an in-ring role, so henceforth he should win at WrestleMania. And that was a disappointment then and even now. Um, so I don't agree with that. But I guess it was kind of his decision to lose. Maybe it was partly because of Triple H and Vince wanted to establish WWE as the superior brand over WCW, which is what that brand, or rather that feud was all about, going into Mania. I couldn't tell you exactly why. But um, I think by and large, his legacy was by no means ruined by the loss or his lack of wins in WWE. I think he had a pretty good run for himself. And I do agree with Sting on the, in the respect that, I mean, I'm just happy that he came at all. Like, if he retired after he was done with TNA, <clears throat> you know, a couple of years ago in 2014, and he never came over to WWE, let alone made an appearance, you know, even wrestle, I would have been disappointed because as a fan, I mean, I think many people fall under that category, too, that they wanted to see Sting in WWE. Even, you know, it could have been a lot worse. That's kind of my mindset when it comes to these things. It could have been a lot worse. I enjoy the time while it lasted. He had a lot of great segments. I'll never forget the goosebumps that I got when he came out and returned, or rather made his debut at Survivor Series a few years back. And um, So, I mean, could they use him better? Absolutely. But I think I enjoyed his run for what it was. 
And um, at least he could say he wrestled his first match at WrestleMania, faced one of the best in Triple H and Seth Rollins, went for the championship, won a match on Raw. So he did a number of things in the time that he was with WWE, so I can't complain about that. Yeah, I think I think a lot of people would say like, well, you know, if he would if if he had faced John Cena and lost at, at, at thirty one, then people would you know, you know, take it more more lightly or more you know, to the fact that Triple H was the one that that defeated him, and they they look at Hunter like, oh, no wonder why Sting lost because he he fought Hunter and he has more power backstage to make it happen, and you know you know just the fact that to me and some other people out there might feel like, well, you know this still goes over back to the whole Monday Night War thing. It, it's still a WWE WCW thing where there's, there's no way a guy that's gonna come from WCW who is the icon of that company coming to our company and win a match against us because now it, it looks like like they were still stubborn about it or still to the point where they wanted to remind people that we won the war back then and we're not going to let one of, one of those guys come in here mm-hmm. and win a match, especially against Hunter and especially at WrestleMania. Do you agree with that? Do you semi-agree with that? Or am I totally off base? <laughs> no, I agree. That was my mindset too, and it still is kind of to this day. Like I said, I think he kind of, if you read between the lines at the end of his documentary, which was really, really good, by the way, I strongly recommend that people check it out. I don't think it's on the network yet, which a lot of documentaries are, but this one is worth the purchase for the documentary portion and the matches, you know, alone. But, um, no, that was my mindset, too, before I watched it, that the only reason that he went over at WrestleMania Triple H, that is, is because, as I said earlier, that they wanted to establish that WWE won the Monday Night Wars and WCW was the lesser brand. They kind of wanted to shove that in their face. 14 years later, for whatever reason, it was kind of a waste. Um, I think it might have been a combination of both, both both that Triple H, you know, or rather Vince, whoever, I don't know, I can't pinpoint exactly, wanted to show that WWE was better than WCW once and for all, and the fact that Sting was open to losing. I mean, if he really wanted to win, I think he would have said something, but he doesn't seem like the kind of person, like a Hogan or a Warrior or whoever else has the reputation of always wanting to win. Um, I don't think, I mean, I think if he had that reputation, he would have got what he wanted. Otherwise, he wouldn't have done the match. I think that would have been established early on. But, no, I think there is something to that, that um, the whole WCW-WWE tie-in. I mean, it sucks. I, I don't agree with that at all. I think the, I think the Monday Night Wars ended back in 01. They shouldn't have brought it back for that feud in, in 2014, 2015. It was a good feud, but I think it really should have been about two of the best in the last 20 years facing off and not WCW versus WWE, because that, that got old, you know, 15 years ago. They've run that narrative into the ground. I'm sick of hearing about the Monday Night Wars. I love the Monday Night Wars, but I'm sick of hearing about it. So that's that was one, you know, gripe that I had with their feed last year going into WrestleMania. Well, you know, Ric Flair is going to induct him um, in the Hall of Fame. And, um, you know, if what the word is out there is correct, that he's going to plan on you know, do the whole retirement thing at the Hall of Fame um, ceremony. I, I think it might get emotional, not only for him, but also for the fans. And, you know, of course, by that time, they're going to have um, an indication already that, you know, this is what, you know, he's going to do. So, um, I mean, o- overall, a great story career, many great matches, um, mostly in his WCW days. Um, even me, myself, I, I, I got to go back and check out some of the, uh, some of his early times against Vader and Mick Foley and, and Ric Flair and, and stuff like that. So, I I mean, I am a Stink fan, but I'm not going to sit here and, and, and say, you know, I've seen every match, which which I haven't. So I got <laughs> to re-up on that. So um, after the Hall of Fame, you know, if, if he does, you know, do the whole retirement thing, where do you – what would you like to to see him, um, you know, co- you know, capacity wise? Do you feel like he'll retire due to speech and not be shown as much or at all? Do you feel like he'll have more of a, of an impact backstage or more on TV role? Where do you think is the best fit for Sting? I think the report from TMZ said today that um <clears throat> that he would have some sort of role in the company going forward, maybe as an ambassador. I mean, I can't see him coming back as like a general manager or something because this is Sting we're talking about. That was a rumor a couple of years ago, even before he debuted, always going to come in as the new Raw GM. And like, what world would that make sense? Are we talking about the same Sting here? Like, that wouldn't make any sense at all for his character. Um, I want to see him around because I love Sting, but um, I don't think, I mean, less is more, I think, with Sting, which was what they did really well with him, I think, for the most part, leading into both of his you know, pay-per-view matches, that he wasn't on Raw a lot. He was around when he needed to be. 
and he didn't show up twice a year, but he showed up enough to get his character over and familiar with the audience. So, um, you know, now that he's not wrestling anymore, I think he could still show up and do some shows here and there. Kind of like, I mean, Daniel Bryan, we haven't seen him at all in the last five weeks since he retired, which is great. I had a feeling they might, you know, um, walk him out there, have him come out to Raw every single week to further a feud with Brie Bella or something dumb and wasteful like that. And they haven't done that, which is great. And Bryan may have vetoed that, which is even better. But uh, with Sting, I have no idea what they're going to do with him going forward, which I think is part of the excitement level, because I have no idea what they're going to do with this guy in that non-wrestling capacity. Like I said, I think he's going to do something a lot like what the Warrior would have done a couple of years ago had he not passed away in an ambassador role, doing media for the company, showing up on Raw to cut a promo or to put somebody over, and you know, you know, like I said, in a promo, not a match, but something along those lines. If anything, I know we're not going to get the match at this point because he's done wrestling, which sucks. I've always been in this bandwagon, but just the one run in either at WrestleMania or in the Raw after WrestleMania, we don't need a match. I just want the face-off between Sting and Undertaker, just to get it over with and just uh, <laughs> put that behind us so people will shut up. People like me will shut up, so I don't have to complain about not getting that anymore. But hopefully we get that at some point now that Sting's not wrestling anymore. Yeah, I think, you know, with, with Sting here in the, in the WWE, that's going to be the biggest what if. You know, what if him and Taker last year, or what if he did not get hurt against Seth Rollins? Would he have been used at all for, for, for WrestleMania? I mean... You know, just to go forward into into the next question, you know, by the way, we're, ch- we're, we're chatting with Graham Matthews, uh, featured columnist for the Bleacher Report, covers the WWE. He's on Twitter at WrestleRant. Um, speaking of Sting being injured, um, we can add Bray Wyatt and Neville to the ongoing injured list um, that this company has suffered since September with Seth Rollins, John Cena, Randy Orton, Cesaro, Nikki Bella, Tyson Kidd. Bray Wyatt now, Neville now. Um, I mean, WrestleMania 32 can be looking a lot different um, <laughs> if these guys were healthy. Um, is 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 the reason why this WrestleMania is looking, you know, eh, because of mainly because these guys are are oh, guys and gals are are injured. I mean, it might be part of the reason, but I think at the same time, like I said before at the start of the podcast, uh, like we were saying, the WrestleMania 31 and 30, I mean, fun facts for you. Going into WrestleMania 31 last year, I distinctly remember looking at WWE's Wikipedia page where it says on the right, like in that little notes column, like if they're injured, how long they're out for, whatever. Right. Going into WrestleMania last year, and we had the same amount of people on the roster that we do right now. There was not one person, with the exception of Christian, injured. And Christian, by that point, was already technically retired, so it doesn't really count. Everyone on the roster was healthy and was a part of WrestleMania. I think almost everybody on the current roster at that time was at Mania in some form or fashion, either in the honor of the John Memorial Battle Royal or wrestling on the show itself. And then this year, we have like half the roster out. And like you said, after this week, we got Neville out after he got injured on Raw and Bray Wyatt, who wrestled. I think a singles match against Ambrose a couple of weeks ago, he's now out injured too, reportedly, with a back injury. Um, I, I don't worry as much for him for a couple of reasons. One, because he wasn't doing anything before. I have no idea what their plan would have been for him to wrestle me. It's not like he's facing Lesnar Mania, which is good, which I think they're, I think the Ambrose-Lesnar stuff is great. And um, he was you know, not really winning much anyway, and they've been kind of quote-unquote burying him for the most part for the last couple of months. And um, I have no idea where he, where, where he would have landed on the card or still will land on the card. I don't know if he's going to be healthy or not. So I'm a little less worried about him because he could still talk. He still shows up on TV. He was that roadblock. He didn't wrestle, but he was there. <clears throat> and he can be the manager like he, you know, for Luke Harper or Braun Strowman, probably Eric Rowan, whatever. Neville, it sucks for because I feel like he was going to be involved in some sort of multi-man match for the IC Championship at Mania. And he was in the midst of a great match with Jericho on Raw before he got hurt. So that's unfortunate. He's going to miss his first ever WrestleMania because he debuted tonight after WrestleMania last year. But um, to answer your question, does WrestleMania suffer without the injury? Does WrestleMania suffer without the injured stars? Absolutely. But I think even if they were around, um, you know, it helps. But I think we just need better creative. I, my excitement level yeah. through, but I'm not, you know, you know, crapping on people who don't think it's good just because. Um, you know, the creative right now, because we have all the tools. We have Taker and Chain. The match is there. There's just more they can be doing on TV to get people hyped about the match. And same thing with Triple H and Roman. The pieces are in place. They just need to work with what they have. Yeah, I, it, it, man, I going back to Bray Wyatt, man, I have no idea what they're doing with him. I, I, have, I don't know what he's done to, to have him, <laughs> you know, so, yeah, he, 
Bray Wyatt is a great talker. I think he, I think he's a great wrestler when utilized properly. Um, he has been in some big feuds in his career with Daniel Bryan and Jericho and Taker and, and John Cena. But it's just like the guy somehow doesn't get the push. And, and you know, Bray Wyatt has never held any singles titles since since he's been here. Most people say, well, he he doesn't need a title. Uh, I think he does uh, because. When you have people like Ryback winning the Intercontinental Championship before Bray Wyatt, to me, that's a problem. So I don't know if that's Bray Wyatt or, yep. the, or, or the company or Callisto holding the, the U.S. title and Bray Wyatt can't even sniff a title shot. Uh, I I just think, you know, let's get through Mania. Let, 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 let's get through the back injury and try to revamp his character and what what it is that they want him to do. Whether I think a... A baby face turn could help him. I think that's number one. And then putting him in a, in a position where he can be utilized properly. But I just don't. I none of us can understand that this great talent is just chilling on, on the sidelines and waiting to be trying to find out what is it that you guys want me to do. Yeah, it's it's pretty bad. The, the booking of Bray Wyatt. I mean, we talked about it in this very podcast two years ago that. I feel like he would have been damaged had he lost to John Cena at WrestleMania 30, and he was. And the aftermath did him no favors whatsoever because the rematch at Extreme Rules sucked, and he lost the match at Payback, too. And ever since then, it's just been even Steven booking with this guy. I mean, they broke up the family. They put the family back together. He loses to Roman Reigns. He beats the ECW Originals. Has a all right showing in the Rumble. They lose the big oh, show, Keenan Ryback, at Fastlane clean. Terrible. How do you expect people to take these guys seriously if they're losing to losers? I mean, that's pretty much where they – this is the final man of the coffin. By this point, I don't really care what happens to them next just because they've, they've broken me. They've broken me to the point where I don't know what else you could do with them, like you said, other than maybe turn them babyface. And I do agree with both viewpoints in that he is kind of like this generation's Jake the Snake Roberts who never held a single championship. And that was a different day when we didn't have like five titles in the company. It's only when we had like two or three. So I feel like he will and he should win a championship at some point. I don't think he needs one to get over, but at this point, I feel like because the person should get over the championship and not the other way around. But I feel like at this point, it's at least something new with the guy. Having him come out every single week, you know, say some gibberish and lose is not going to get him over anymore. People have seen the stick. He's been doing the same thing for two years. And I blame him as much as creative because he's not. I mean, I, from what I believe, from what I've heard, he has as much creative, you know, control over his promos and whatever or over his character as much as the actual creative team does. So I don't know where the book stops there with Bray Wyatt and WWE creative, but I do absolutely agree. I feel like a face turn at this point would be something fresh. And I'm shocked that they didn't turn them face in order to go up against the League of Nations at Mania because, for one thing, Wyatt would be protected. He wouldn't even have to tag into the match if he wrestled in that match. That and they had that brief face-off a couple months ago on Raw, which I thought was sick for, like, the couple of minutes that we got it for. And, um, I mean, I love the New Day, but New Day and League of Nations isn't too exciting. I don't like League of Nations, but at least Wyatt Family versus League of Nations, four-on-four. It's not exactly Shield versus Wyatt Family, but the closest thing we got right now, and it would be a decent match, Wyatt would be protected. They could finally win a freaking match at WrestleMania. The guy's 0-2 at the show of shows. I mean, albeit against Cena and Taker, but the guy's a loser at WrestleMania. He's got to win this year if he wrestled at all. So, um, yeah, I, I agree. They've got to turn the guy's face when he comes back, you know, entering action. Because it's ridiculous what they're doing with him right now, or rather what they're not doing with him right now. Graham, nobody likes the League of Nations. <laughs> I mean, like, like, you know, if if they can get if they can get more creative with it, then it can be a lot different. But it's just the same, the same old thing. You know, if they get creative, let's say hypothetical, they they get real creative with it at the WrestleMania. You know. Cesaro from Switzerland, Kevin Owens from from Canada. If you know they could have dissension within the the four and get two new members, it's just some, something like that you can you can do. But you know you, you don't get paid for that. I don't get paid for that. So I'm not gonna dish out my ideas if it if it ain't gonna if if it ain't gonna work. Yeah. No, that's ridiculous. Like you said, no one cares about this group. I don't even hate them. If I hated them, then I would be doing them. I don't hate them. I just sit on my hands when they come out, just because. Like you said, they're not awful. I mean, they are kind of awful, but they're just, there's nothing there. I mean, Sheamus is just, I don't know what the hell they did with that guy. I've never really been a huge Sheamus fan, but there was something there with the heel Sheamus, and they managed to make me not care by booking him so terribly, especially during his world championship reign in the fall. 
Yeah. Rusev, look where, you know, where he was a year ago when we were talking over WrestleMania season. The guy was in a match against John Cena, and now he's losing a Neville on Raw. He's losing an enhancement talent on Raw. Del Rio, he went from beating John Cena clean a couple of months ago. Not even at Mania, only a, a few short months ago. And that guy's a loser now, too. And then Barrett is just damaged goods, and he's on his way out of the company pretty soon, too. So it's just a league of losers. It's not even a league of nations. It's a league of losers, and I don't care. And, and and look how look how deep of a fall the, the 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 U.S. title has taken from WrestleMania of last year to now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's. I mean, it could be worse, but I mean, especially after the whole U.S. Open and Johnson did so much with it over the summer, and he really brought it. I mean, some would say as the most prestigious prize in the entire company, even over the World Championship, and then Del Rio held it, didn't do much with it. Kalisto won it. They had the back and forth, which was fine. And they're doing all right by it right now. I mean, they could be doing a lot worse. It could be like Ambrose-esque and that he doesn't defend the championship at all for a whole year. So, I mean, it could be worse. But, I mean, I, I agree from where it was a year ago in a main event level program with Rusev and John Cena. Now, Kalisto, he's got a match of Mania, which is great. But they're still kind of lumping him in there with the Lucha Dragons and Sin Cara. So, I feel like they really need to kind of branch him off on his own because he has a lot of untapped potential. He's, he's going to be a big star. If they can, you know, push him properly on his own. Graham, let, let's let's go through the the card real quick. Um, obviously, the main event: Triple H and, and Roman Reigns for the world title, which we we've seen, you know, play out for for quite a while. I mean, to me, this feud has been going on for almost two years, even dating back to the whole Shield and and, and Evolution days. Um, that they, they're finally gonna go at it at WrestleMania, and a lot of people don't want to see Roman Reigns win. Um, you know, we've been down this hole for two straight years with, with Roman Reigns. Good guy, bad guy, what should they do? People don't like him. Um, uh, you, what is your take on the Roman Reigns character today compared to when they booed him at the Royal Rumble um, last year? Um, is it all, it, you know, to me, I think he works very hard. Um Night in, night out. Every every pay per view, Monday Night Raw. It just the fans are just not clicking with him. They still feel like they're they're being forced to like Roman Reigns. Um, to me, I think he's gonna win at WrestleMania against Triple H. But what's your take on his current character? Where do they go? Where should they go with him at WrestleMania? And do you feel like that you know? Dallas is just is just gonna boo the living crap out of out of Roman Reigns before he gets to the ring and even when he wins. I like Roman Reigns. I like the big dog. I hate his booking. The way they've handled this character, like you said, since the Rumble of last year, and we're talking, you know, fourteen months ago. I mean, they've done right by him here and there. He got cheered when he won the championship. I think it was more so about the crowd in Philly, the same crowd who booed him in the Rumble at the Rumble last year. I think that was more about them hating Sheamus and wanting to get the championship off of him than it was Roman Reigns winning the title. Because after that, he was kind of getting mediocre reactions on Raw and stuff. So, and he still is to this day. Um, I'm, I'm with you on that. I feel like he will win the championship of Mania, as he should. I don't think he should. I mean, I could see Triple H and Rollins being for the championship at some point, you know, down the line when Triple H comes, or rather when Seth Rollins comes back. And that's fine. That's a money match. I don't think they should keep the belt on Triple H for that long, though. And they can always... I don't know. They don't have to do that match with the championship. But regardless, though, the Roman Reigns, I feel like the only answer at this point, and we were kind of hesitant to talk about it earlier, but I feel like the only answer is to turn him heel. I mean, people were saying that a year ago going to the Mania, oh, they're going to have Paul Heyman turn on, you know, Brock Lesnar and join Roman Reigns, blah, blah, blah. But I feel like at this point, they need to. And I talked to Jim Ross this past week on my show, and he was a great guy, a great interview, great guy to talk to. And he himself said that, Roman Reigns is not a babyface. He is not a fan favorite. I mean, they book him as such, kind of, but he kind of comes out. The way even he beat up Triple H this past weekend, Raw was more of a heel move. And I feel like that was more of WWE not really knowing what to do with Reigns than it was like a sign, oh, they're going to turn him heel a mania, which I don't think is happening. It would be cool. They did a double turn of some sort. I don't know how it would play out. But um, I feel like the only answer right now, a lot like with Wyatt going babyface, is to turn Roman Reigns heel. Because he's got to take The Rock route. I'm not saying he is like the modern-day version of The Rock, but The Rock thrived as a heel. And then he went back to being a babyface you know, almost right after that because he got so popular. So maybe Reigns can find similar success if he went rogue at some point in the next couple of months or you know, even at Mania, hopefully. But right now, what they're doing with him just is not working. 
Triple H is the current champion. Uh, he, you know, for those who don't know, he is 45 years old. Uh, Graham Triple H, 45 year old champion. Um, what are your your thoughts on? I guess if you want to call it a reign, his current championship reign. He he did win the Royal Rumble to win the title. Uh, he defeated Dean Ambrose at Roadblock, and he had a, a you know, somewhat of a good match against Dolph Ziggler this past Monday night on Raw. Uh, I guess just fine tuning before he he gets to Roman Reigns at WrestleMania. What are your thoughts? I mean, I, obviously, if you know some guys were not hurt, I don't, I, I doubt Triple H would be the champion. I just you know, just under different circumstances, you know, he has the belt because it, it is what it is. But just overall, uh, the two matches with Ambrose and, and Ziggler, um, his, his current title reign, and do you think that, you know, it, it's going to be over for him at WrestleMania? Yeah, I think his reign comes to an end of Mania. Like I said, it, the only reason I could see him retaining the championship is if they want to hold out for Rollins, who... I mean, I guess there's a chance he could be back by Extreme Rules or Payback or whatever the hell it is. I'm pretty sure Payback comes first, then Extreme Rules from like early May this year on the first. So I guess if they wanted to hold out till then, but I just don't think that's happening. I think that's a match better stay for SummerSlam, and they're not going to keep the title on Triple H until then. I mean, I guess they could, but um, I just don't think it would make much sense. I mean, he's a guy unlike Rock or Brock Lesnar when they were champion, you know, for the last couple of years, going also going into WrestleMania. They have a certain amount of dates and, you know, and whatever they can wrestle only in pay-per-views or whatever, or not wrestle at all in the, in the case of Brock Lesnar when he was champion for the most part going into Mania before he got this amazingly new, you know, updated schedule. But they wouldn't wrestle on Raw because that's a wasted opportunity. Triple H, I hate to break it to the biggest Triple H fans, but that guy is not nearly as big of a draw as Rock and Brock. So he can afford to wrestle on Raw, which is why I was very happy to see that this past week. He went one-on-one with Ziggler. I don't know why that match took place, because he won clean anyway. I felt like Ziggler pulled up the upset. Um, but it was still a good match. I thought it was very well wrestled. It was refreshing to see Triple H wrestle on Raw for the first time in almost three years, as they said on commentary. But um, you know, like you said, I'm glad they kind of took that you know brief detour and did the thing with Ambrose. Had a really good match last Saturday. Very predictable, but still a good match. So as you said, I think the bottom line is that if other people were around and they weren't hurt, I can almost guarantee you John Cena would be champion right now. I don't know if that's exactly the way they were going with it, but based off from what you know, I've been reading and people have been saying and what it looked like before he got hurt, he would have won the championship in the Rumble, and they probably would have done Cena in Reigns for the championship or maybe Cena Taker and done Triple H in Reigns, which is fine. Like you said, the, the feud's been going on for a couple of years now, and it has a lot of history, and I think it could be a good match, but it's just not main event material. I think if it goes on last, you know, the AT&T Stadium, the AT&T Stadium is going to poop all over it. So um, I don't know what they're going to, I mean, that, that match should not be the main event. It probably will be. It's a good match. shouldn't be for the championship. But, yeah, that, that's just my various thoughts on uh, Triple H's champion in a nutshell. So if, you know, you know, hypothetically, if if you were booking the, the lineup for, for Mania, you wouldn't have Reigns. If you don't have Reigns and, and Hunter um, going on last, does – the match with Brock go last, or does the match with Taker and Shane go last? If, if you would, you know, fantasy booking this whole thing. I would say Shane and Taker just because I don't think it's going to be a better match. I think it's going to be more of a spectacle. I think people care. I mean, even though the build has been all right, I've enjoyed it, but I can see why people, why some people would say, oh, it's been garbage or disappointing, whatever. I mean, we really haven't seen too much from it, so I don't know why people would say that. But um, I would put that match on last just because the stipulation and the implications are so much bigger. If Roman Reigns, if Roman Reigns wins the championship, oh, he's a great, you know, he's a three-time world champion in a matter of two months. Awesome. But if, you know, <laughs> Shane McMahon somehow happens to win, which I don't think he is, but if he somehow happens to win the entire landscape of Monday Night Raw, SmackDown, the entire WWE is changed completely. The authority is gone after almost three years. That's a big deal. So if they had Taker win or Shane win, and it's like, oh, this is amazing. Oh, we still have another match. It's like, you know, Shawn Michaels and Taker from 25. Now it's like, oh, that was an amazing match, but we still have a couple more matches that I don't care about that are going on last. And they suffered as a result. A lot like with Rock and Hogan, like we talked about, you know, to go full circle at the start of the podcast. So, yeah, I'd put Sean, I would put uh, Shane, oh, Shawn Michaels, I wish. Shane McMahon versus Taker in the main event at Mania, just because, not because I think it's going to be a better match wrestling wise, but there's so much more on the line that it feels like more of a main event, and it's got better hype than uh, Roman and Triple H has in the last couple of weeks. 
Yeah, I think I think it'll be to me, it'll be a waste to bring Shane McMahon back and have him lose at Mania. And I know Taker's not undefeated no more. He can go twenty whatever and two, but to bring him back, build, you know, build a hype up. If he wins, I take over Raw and the company, whatever. And then just to have Shane lose. Then the fans would feel like, all right, so w- what was the point? You know, now what? We still got, you know, Hunter and, and Stephanie and the authority. You know, this, there's nothing new. And then we, we really don't know the, the, you know, the backstage stuff of how long Shane is going to be around for. What's his role going to be uh, for the time being? Or is, is this just a WrestleMania match and that's it? So I think, I think the fans deserve, you know, to see the, the story continue, you know, on Raw the next night and going forward because if he loses, yeah, yeah, okay, fine. Now we're back to square one the next night on Raw and we're back to this whole authority thing and nothing's changed, nothing nothing is new. You're not going to have a rematch on Raw to do it all over again. So I think it's very tricky whether it, it, whether it goes on last or not. I just feel like you can't have, you know, which was a, a big-time surprise return. I think that, that shocked, you know, everybody. And then... Just to have him lose, I, I think it, it, it'll devalue the whole the whole point of the whole of, of the whole story. Yeah, I think they just did it. Like I said, I feel I feel like Taker's going over just because they didn't have an opponent for Taker at WrestleMania, and they worked out something with Shane. Because I feel like the the case has always been with Shane that he was going to be back at some point. We just didn't know when. It was more a matter of when than if. And with the whole, you know, the authority's gone. I mean. Then again, I mean, I thought the same thing a year and a half ago when they did the whole, like, if the Authority loses that Survivor Series, then they're done. I figured that was just the way to pop a buy rate for Survivor Series and the Authority would win. But what they ended up winning, or they ended up losing, rather, and they were out of power for six weeks, so it's not like it really matters. And that could happen here, too. I mean, Shane could win, and the Authority's gone for a month, two months if we're lucky. I mean, it's hard to suspend disbelief in wrestling when they go back on their stipulation so often, so I'm surprised people care as much as they do considering we have no idea what might happen if Shane wins. But I think that's the exciting part about it, because we have no idea once he takes the reins of Raw, whether he's going to, you know, you know, fire people, hire people, and uh, Raw after Mania is always exciting. But, you know, I think the bottom line, too, and I've been saying this for a while, I wrote an article about it a couple weeks ago, that if Taker wins, there has to be a stipulation in place. I don't know whether he, you know, becomes a full-timer or something. Something has to change no matter what. If Shane wins, we have this amazing new change. But if Taker wins, maybe he gets a title shot or, you know, I don't know. But something has to be put in place where no matter who wins, something changes come that Monday night on Raw. And I feel like someone might get involved in that match anyway, whether it be a Balor or Goldberg for all you know. I have no idea. But someone should get involved in that match, and that's why that match should close the show and not just, you know, Triple H and Roman where, oh, great, we have a new champion, or wow, Triple H wins. Like, no one's going to care. So, whereas, like, with last year, Rollins cashed in, oh, like, the shocking, amazing moment. Neither of those possibilities, even if Triple H won, it'd be something different, but I don't know if it'd be like immensely shocking. So that's why the Helmet Cell match should close the show. And yeah, like I said, something should change regardless of who wins in a stipulation, an extra stipulation that it should be put in place, um, you know, before Mania in three weeks. I think what will be perfect for Taker is, you know, you know, just stipulation. You know, if, if you win, you get a title shot the next night. And if you win, you get to take a year off with the belt. <laughs> Something like that, yeah. I mean, it, you know, it's, it's so ridiculous that it would work. I mean, I'd buy that, you know. You could take a whole year off like you always do during WrestleMania time, but now you could be champion, champion while doing it. Just hold the title hostage. Just yeah, hold exactly. it hostage. Just, just, just Instagram us the pictures every three months. <laughs> exactly, from parts unknown. Um, the the remaining um. Matches on the car. We, we, we real quick. We got Ambrose and Brock. We got Shane and Taker, like we said. Callisto right back. U.S. title. Um, it's not official yet, but I think they're going with AJ and Y2J. We got the tag titles. New Day League of Nations. The Divas Championship, which is a match I, I, I'm looking forward to seeing. Charlotte, Sasha Banks, Becky Lynch, and I think uh, also Triple H and Reigns. Uh, maybe an intercontinental title match, which hasn't been, uh, uh, you know, official. And I think the Andre the Giant uh, Memorial Battle Royal. So when you hear this card, if if that is official for WrestleMania 32, does it sound 
underwhelming? Does it get you, you know, anxious? Are you highly anticipating uh, to seeing this car if this is the official car going forward? So trust me, like I said earlier, I'm always in the minority when it comes to this kind of stuff because I'm going to say, yes, I am excited for this card. I think from top to bottom, it's not like WrestleMania 17 after or anything like that, but I feel like with what they currently have, with who they have on tap, who they have to, you know, who they can use with everyone else injured right now. And, you know, we talked about this a couple months ago right before the Rumble that they can make the most of who they have and have a star-studded card and make the most of it and have, you know, matches that we've never seen before. And for the most part, a lot of these matches are unprecedented. Triple H and Reigns, I mean, we've seen it in tag team matches before, but never one-on-one. Ambrose and Lesnar, never before. Shane and Taker, maybe once or twice in the Attitude Era, but still a relatively fresh match. The women's match, triple threat, have never seen that before. Usos and Dudleys, never before. League of Nations in uh, the New Day in a handicap scenario, never before. So, I mean, yeah, I mean, for me personally, I'm looking forward to it just because for a lot of these matches, I don't know who could win, and I feel like a lot of these matches especially in ring-wise, could be awesome. Like, especially Lesnar and Ambrose. That match could be kick-ass in the no-holds-barred street fight environment. So, yeah, like I said, I'm in the minority. I've seen a lot of people say, oh, it doesn't feel like Mania season. And I don't like, oh, you're not a real wrestling fan if you're not excited for WrestleMania. Because like, people, you know, are entitled to their own opinion when it comes to their excitement for a pay-per-view. Nothing I say is going to change that. But, like I said, for me personally, I think it's going to be a very good show. You can see everyone's expectations, and I personally am very much looking forward to it. Oh, yeah. I mean, how can I forget the Usos and Dudleys? That's going to be a classic. (laughs) I don't know how I forgot about that one. Yeah, no, that's just an undercard match. I wouldn't be shocked if that got tossed the the pre-show or the kickoff show or whatever. But like I said, again, first time ever. Never been done before. And two of those tag teams, the Usos, arguably the greatest tag team of all time, most decorated, rather, tag team of all time, next to the League of of Nations. Yeah, right. Uh, Legion of Doom. And, uh, and at least the Usos, they've been a cornerstone of the WWE tag team division for the past six years. So I feel like they've gotten some storyline support on TV. Um, so even if they get like five minutes of the event, I still think it could be a good match. So like I said, there's something I like about each match, whether you know, people are excited on the whole or not. Yeah, I mean, hopefully, Graham, I, I, I definitely appreciate you being all all happy and giddy and, and, and positive about it. But <laughs> I, I, maybe I need two more roles to, to get me to it. Like, you know what? Maybe, yeah. yeah. I don't know, man. I, I just can't wait. Uh, I, we need Seth Rollins back ASAP. That's that just how I feel. We need Rollins and Orton and Cena and these guys to to come back um, slowly but surely, ease their way back in. Because even though they've been around, but it's still it's still kind of like um, a breath of fresh air because we haven't seen these guys since September, October, and um, you know, and and even with the car, that they, they, they're relying on. A lot of guys from the from the Attitude Era, even in the Rufus Aggression Era, they rely on, on these guys to really hold it down, and, and it, it's not their fault. It just the the the, the spot that they're in. So um, hopefully they make the best out of it. Um, I think they're gonna break the record because WrestleMania, the name uh, sells it, you know itself. So I think yeah. they're gonna break that that WrestleMania three record. Um, I think the all time. A sports attendance was the the NBA All Star Game back in 2010 in that stadium. So I think they break that. I think uh, uh, 108,000 plus. So um, if they can keep me occupied for four hours that night, and then 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 maybe Graham, maybe I, I'm really I'm trying to be like you, be all positive, but um, maybe it's just. Maybe the, the the story and the storylines are, are aren't clicking. Like why are these matches you know happening? I know a few, but why is you know? Yeah. Can you connect Shane and take your more for me? Can you connect some other matches for me? So I'm like, oh, okay, now, now I get it. Now it now it, it all makes sense. And so now when I see it, I'm I'm happy to see it. Worst case scenario, we still have the next take for Dallas on Friday, which, I mean, WrestleMania could be just a poop of a show. It could be a pooper of a show. But at least on the bright side, we know for a fact. There is no if ands, buts about it, about TakeOver Dallas, that this show is going to be incredible. Start to finish, right. the bottom of the card is freaking stacked. One of those matches alone would get me excited for the show. But the whole card looks star-studded beyond belief. So if WrestleMania sucks, and at least you know, by hour two, if no one's getting into it, if you're not getting into it, you can say, hey, you know what, I'm going to watch TakeOver Dallas back. Because yeah, you're on the network anyway, so and you're getting it free. 
So um, at least there's that. Now, let me ask you real quick. Now, when they did Roadblock, was it coincidental? Was it was it more like a trial thing? You know, you probably know more than me. But when they put the NXT tag titles on the Roadblock um, mm-hmm. house show event, whatever it is you want to call it, was that a test to where, you know, to for them to test out if we put any NXT match on a WWE house show or pay-per-view, what the reaction might be like from people watching um, live on the network and people watching live? Was that more like an experiment to see how people would react to seeing any NXT match on a, on a WWE pay-per-view or, or, or house show? I definitely think that was part of it. I think they just kind of were in the area anyway, or they were booked for the show. Um, so I wasn't too shocked they were a part of the show, but I was very happy to see it. I mean, it's not the first time. They had Balor and Owens for the NXT Championship, and the first special they did, Beast in the East, last July in Japan, and that was a great match, one of the best of the year for NXT, WWE, just period. Um, but, you know, I, I definitely think it was part of it that they wanted to test out how these guys would there in front of a main roster crowd, specifically Enzo and Cass in the Revival will be down in NXT for a little while longer. They're a great tag team, but I feel like Enzo and Cass, it's high time. They've been in NXT for like four years at this point. So they're going to be getting called up. I'd imagine that after WrestleMania, they wanted to see, maybe kind of test the waters without fans react to them. And if that was any indication, the crowd, you know, the fans and the, and the crowd love these guys. I don't know how great they are in the ring. I mean, I do know how great they are in the ring. They, they can be great when they're up against the right opponents, but they're kind of like the New Age Outlaws, that they're not known for their, like, their amazing in-ring skills. They're just incredibly entertaining. And I think they definitely succeeded in doing just that against the Revival at Roadblock in a very entertaining match. And their pre-match, their pre-match stick was you know, just great. The crowd ate it up in one of the most over-acts in the entire show at Roadblock last week. One thing about Roadblock, real quick, I, I think, you know, just to not, not to sound nitpicky, but the, the entranceway of Roadblock. Um, me, I'm a fan of... I, I, I hate when the Monday Night Raw set is the same set for the Royal Rumble or for Payback or for you know whatever it is they want to call these pay-per-views nowadays, Fast Lane, Survivor Series. It's always the same. And now we, when you look at Roadblock and people might say, well, it, it, you know, it was a house show. But still, you had the dim lighting, the different walkway, entranceway. It, it kind of felt like like another pay-per-view going on. And it's like, oh, I don't I don't see the Monday Night Raw set for Roadblock. So can you give me more of that? It, it's like an old, you know, to, to the to the old days, you know, um, old pay-per-views. But still, you still give me that little bit of difference that you can separate a Raw SmackDown set than to a, a Royal Rumble or Survivor Series set. I don't know if you noticed it. I don't know if you care about it. But to me, I, I do. <laughs> No, no, I was in the same exact boat, too. I noticed that, too, and I was thinking, wow, this is a nice, refreshing change of pace. And, I mean, they yeah. used the same set. It's not like just because it was Roadblock, they had this ultra-special set. It's the same set they use for every house show. But even that's different than Raw. Like, I mean, we've been talking about this forever, but Raw and SmackDown, although they're two very different shows now, especially now that SmackDown means more than it did even three months ago, they have the same set. They have the same HD set, and like you said, this bothers me more than anything. And I know they had the whole budget cuts a couple of years ago with the network and whatever, but it's been over two years at this point. Right. It's time they started putting more effort. I don't know they do it for WrestleMania, but come on. SummerSlam, at least SummerSlam or the Rumble, come on. When they have the Royal Rumble, <laughs> when they have the Raw set for the Rumble, that's like, come on, they're just being lazy. And I don't know if it's a budget thing anymore, because like I said, it's been like two years. And they never lay anyone off, so I don't think that's part of the issue anymore. But um, no, I agree. Stuff like that bothers me too. I mean, it's not to the point where like I'm not going to watch the show, but it's the little things like that that make the biggest differences. And I also appreciated that change in pace, that change in scenery, roadblock last week. I thought it was it, made, it definitely added to the atmosphere of the show. Mm-hmm. I got three more things before I let you go. Uh, two of them are, are questions that I had from from Twitter. Um, one of them is from your boy RJ. I don't want to butcher his his last name because I may not know how to pronounce it. It begins with the letter M. So. Um, yeah, Marceau. Marceau, Marceau that's it. Yeah. There you go, RJ Marceau. Marceau. He asks, which which marquee matchup on WrestleMania you think has the biggest potential to flop? Yeah, I saw that question. I thought, mm, I think, I would say Triple H and Reigns, just because, you know, but I think people know that's going to flop or have a feeling that it's going to flop anyway. I, I guess I could say that match, that's the safe answer. But at the same time, 
man. I mean, right now, it's hard to say because a lot of the matches look good at the paper, like like I said earlier, in ring-wise. I'll go with Triple H and, uh, and Roman Reigns. I feel like I, and I've been, I'm looking forward to the matches from like an in-ring standpoint. I think they could put on a better match than people think they will. But I think it's especially if it goes on last, which I think a lot of people, a lot of us are expecting that it will, it's going to be just, you know, uh, a dead match. So I'll, I'll go with that, you know, that championship clash. Now, does that match need, need I mean, it, it does need help, but does that match need, like, a, a, a special guest referee just to kind of, like, spice it up just a notch? It needs something. And I don't know who would fit in that role. I mean, we've seen Shawn Michaels in that role God knows how many times yeah, over the years. So, I mean, I guess... You can't trust Shawn Michaels. You can't trust him. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I mean, at the same time, it's, it's Triple H, and he can do whatever he wants. So, I guess it would make some sense in storyline. He wants to kind of stack the odds against Roman Reigns. But it's going to look that much more ridiculous when Roman Reigns wins. Won't be the first time. Won't be the last time. I, um, I mean, I think I think Rock's too good for the role. I think he's way above doing a special guest referee thing, which, again, would also not make sense because he's Roman Reigns' cousin, so why would he help? Triple H at all so I don't even know I mean I guess that would be the easiest answer but I feel like it needs something I feel like we'll get something um, I know we already have an OD, you know, a Hell in a Cell match and an ODQ match so you can't really add that same stipulation for this match but no no yeah absolutely it needs something added to it where it needs to kind of like you know inject some new excitement into this contest because as it stands right now a lot of people just aren't looking forward to it or don't care about it whatsoever I think the only guy, if they go this route, the only guy that'll make sense is Daniel Bryan, and and I tell you why, because Reigns has, you know, on storyline wise, Reigns has been, you know, attacked by the authority, has been snided by the by the authority for so long, doesn't get his fair shot, fair deal. They always try to make him lose the title, lose the Rumble, blah 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 blah. And Daniel Bryan went through the same thing two years ago. So if you want to have a, a, a special referee that it's not going to be impartial because, you know, he wants Reigns to, 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 you know, go over the hump. And someone who knows what Reigns is going through, then Danny Bryan would be the guy if they go to a special guest referee spot. I think that would have worked before Bryan retired because someone pitched. I forgot who it was, but it was a great idea where they said, okay, Daniel Bryan. And at that point, I don't think he was, you know, people didn't figure he would be cleared you know, for a while, much less at all, as we, you know, later remembered, as, as we would later find out. But someone pitched that Daniel Bryan would be appointed the special guest referee in Mania, or that, that they, they thought the retirement angle was a work. So they thought that, okay, we'll let you wrestle again, and they were going to go with the whole storyline that, oh, well, we won't clear you to compete, even though the doctor said yes, whatever. Not like they would ever do this, but it would be sick if they had Bryan as a special guest referee. And although he hates the authority and hates Triple H, they would let him wrestle again if Triple H retain the title like something like that would be great otherwise like as it stands right now, i know like him and roman reigns had issues you know him and brian uh, reigns and brian last you know road to wrestlemania but i think brian's hate for like the authority you know is a lot more than for than for roman reigns so i feel like he would be definitely biased and triple h is in charge that's like one of the many many issues that we run into with a heel authority figure was that you know it's hard to like put anyone in that role because Triple H would never allow it in storyline because he hates like Daniel Bryan or Batista even or The Rock. So I don't know. That's why we need to do away with this authority garbage because I hate heel authority figures because there's just so many logic gaps and not to mention the fact it's been done to death over the last 15, 16 years and the authority itself has been going on for over three. So um, hopefully we see the end of that at WrestleMania because there's just so many logic gaps it's beyond annoying. Hey, Grant, always a pleasure having you on before I, I, I really let you go. Um, yesterday was uh, 316 Day. You look, if you looked on Twitter, it, it felt like a national holiday. Uh, people putting out pictures and gifs of Stone Cold and wearing T-shirts. I wore a shirt like yesterday, and I walked down the street, and people looked at me either A, like, what are you doing with an Austin 316 <laughs> shirt on, or B, like, wow, I haven't seen that in a long time. I need one. So um, yeah. it, it felt good, but just overall um, – did did you wear a three sixteen shirt? Did you have a swig of beer for the working man, like Steve Austin said, or did you, you know, <laughs> did you? How did you celebrate three sixteen day? Love Austin three sixteen. I forgot about this until like today. Oh, I, mean, I know man. it was Austin three sixteen day. I know I tweeted that out at the start of the day when I first woke up. But what made it even better was that it's the third month of twenty sixteen. It's the month three sixteen. It was three sixteen on three sixteen. That makes it even better, and that's not going to happen for another hundred years. So I thought that was cool. I didn't realize that until today. I was like, ah, damn it. But 
Yeah, the thing was, I have that Austin 316 shirt, and I love the fact that you said that because you get those kind of reactions all the time when you wear a wrestling shirt like that. It's either like, what the hell are you wearing? Or like, oh, that's like the greatest shirt ever because I recognize that shirt. Like, exactly. that type of reaction is like golden. Um, I have that shirt. I'm on spring break right now. I left it at school, so I was so pissed I couldn't wear it yesterday. But I don't drink, but I did have some soda, and I did have a swig of soda for the working man. So <laughs> I listened to his podcast today, and I listened to his theme song, too. So hopefully that was enough to, play, to, to, uh, to please the, the toughest SOB in the Texas Rattlesnake. <laughs> A swig, of, uh, a swig of soda, a swig of Mountain Dew and Pepsi for the working man. Um, Graham Matthews, he's on Twitter at WrestleRan. Great job on Bleacher Report. Catch him on, um, catch his work on Bleacher Report. He is a featured columnist there. Also contributed to What Culture and also HiddenRemote.com. We are officially on the road to WrestleMania, past fast lane, past the roadblocks, past the pit stop, whatever else is next. Um, I know we'll talk more at the WrestleMania. Hopefully you enjoy it. And um, always a pleasure, my man. Thank you, and I, and, and I appreciate it. Of course. I was looking forward to uh, next year. I'll set my calendar right now for next year's show. Cruise Control Podcast, fourth consecutive year. And just one brief plug, in addition to all the stuff you just said, uh, for Bleacher Report, it was on my podcast this, last, this past week. WrestleRant Radio talked to good old JR Jim Ross for an exclusive interview talking uh, New Japan Pro Wrestling, Monday Night Raw, the WWE, NXT, a lot of great stuff. Over 35 minutes of audio on the show. You can check it out on my website, nextgirls.net. The interview should be up tomorrow in article form for Bleacher Report. But like I said, Randy, thanks again for having me on. Always a pleasure. And like I said, looking forward to next year. All right, man. Thank you. Appreciate it. Anytime, enjoy the road to WrestleMania. See you, brother. All right.